I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. 2022, and here we are, folks. And you know that your performance is built on a platform of health. But how healthy are you? Are you really set up to thrive? Will you optimize your results from all that hard work that you're going to put in this year? Why don't you find out? Do what Purple Patch athletes do. Have a little look inside. Yes, we leverage the toolkit of insights and recommendations delivered via Inside Tracker. Now, this isn't some special source or voodoo quick fix. Instead, what we get from utilizing Inside Tracker is some actionable information and insights so that we can, as athletes, focus on the aspects of our performance that will create meaningful change. And January being January, it's baseline month. So why don't you take advantage right now, get a baseline, and then we can track it throughout the year together. All you have to do, head to insidetracker.com slash purplepatchpodcast. Go there, enter the code purplepatchpro25, that's purplepatchpro25, and you're going to get 25% off. All right, now, on with today's show. It's a goodie. Here we go. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. As ever, your host, Matt Dixon. And this week, we're talking about training camps. Yes, a military style for you to venture off to a fun location and accumulate massive bone-crushing miles and hours of training. Leave life behind. It's time for a big block of work where all of your magic will happen. It is the week that pushes your performance over the edge. Right? Right? Mm, Not quite. You see, unfortunately, many athletes sabotage their seasons by doing something that they think is going to really help them, a training camp. But training camps aren't bad. If you do them right, they can be really important, highly valuable, big additions to your overall performance journey, physiologically, socially, intellectually, emotionally. It all sounds rather fun, don't you think? And so we just want to make sure we get it right. So this week, what I thought we would do is focus on training camps, so that you can go away and choose the right one for you, or perhaps go and build one on your own with your friends. And so it's a short but important one today. But before we get into the fun around training camps, why don't we do a nice little squaddy update? Yes, the squaddy update. And I want to tell you a story this week. You see, Kelly and I have a wonderful friend, Kim. And Kim was turning 50 a couple of years ago, and she is athletic, but she strays more towards the kind of extreme side of things. She's sort of the person that feels accomplished less through the vert that she climbs on the bike and more around the vert that she gets on a bike jump. But for her 50th, Kim thought, you know what, I want to train for a marathon. And she wanted Kelly to join her. Great, super, a fun challenge. All in, said Kelly. You've got to realize something about Kelly when I tell you this story. Every idea is a good idea, if you're Kelly. She was in with two feet. There was just one challenge. And that's the simple fact that from years of gymnastics and extreme sports, Kelly's knees are, well, 
how the English folk might say, right buggered, bone on bone, arthritic. After a ski session, vroom, swelling, let alone miles and miles of running, how is she possibly going to take on this challenge? Well, as we explained in last week's show, it was going to require a little out-of-the-box thinking, a different approach, a multi-sport approach. Kelly did strength training. She rode her bicycle on the trainer and a little bit outside. And she never ran in all of her course of training for the marathon more than five minutes in duration without taking a walk break. And yes, that included the race. And the result? Well, the race began. And it started with a two-mile jaunt through a pitch-black tunnel. And so we said, I think you just got to run through there. But emerging from that tunnel, the run-walk strategy began. And it was before she physically needed it. And so early in the race, as runners passed her and spectators cheered, she felt exposed. Come on, get back to it. You can do it. Well, yeah, she could do it. But the walking was the strategy. And no one, no one was walking this early. Was it madness? I think she thought, maybe it's just a cruel joke by me. But Kelly bravely committed and the miles went on. And the fatigue didn't come. The swelling didn't come. And her fastest miles in this marathon, when she felt the best, mile 22, 23, 24, 25, and yes, 26. Her overall time was 45 minutes faster than she hoped and expected. And guess what? I was really proud of her. And she was proud of herself. Super. God, with them buggered knees, suddenly she's a runner, a multi-sport runner, but also a wonderful example of how so many athletes have benefited from this approach. And guess what? You can too. Because this week, this is the week we launch Run Squad. All you have to do is head to purplepatchfitness.com and find out how we have, well, kind of a little bit maybe egotistically say, but yes, we have rewritten the script on what running training looks like so that you can gain injury-free, joyful running performance and results. And it's for athletes at all levels. And so Run Squad, Purple Patch, this week, get on the list as we begin the limited access program. Okay, I know, I didn't also mention that we are launching a bike squad this week, but, you know, I decided to tell the story about Kelly. So, Barry, get your ukulele out, because it is time, folks, for Word of the Week. We like the way he thinks, serious with a wig. Let's open the book, it's time to take a peek. It's the Dictionary Word of the Week. Yes, it is Word of the Week. And I think I'm going to get myself in hot water with some people again. That's okay. What's the word of the week this week? Vaccine. Part deux. Oh, we're coming back to the vaccine. I feel like this is one I've got to do, folks, because over the last several weeks, I have received a sprinkle of emails, not too many, but a sprinkle of emails complaining about my encouragement of folks to get the vaccine several weeks ago. Now, these email complaints most of them anchored around a few key points. The first was that it wasn't my place to wade into something that is so political. The second is that the complaint being that the vaccines posed high risks for athletes and normal healthy people. 
And the third is why would I ever suggest for a vaccine to be taken by someone that is younger and a fit population of listeners when the only folks that are really at risk are older people or those with pre-existing conditions? And so these were the complaints. Now, most of the emails, I will say, were really respectful, and I certainly didn't take offence by receiving these. And I hope that the listeners that did write in and complain don't take offence now when I offer my performance lens and response to those collated altogether. So let's go through them point by point really quickly. The first, is it my place? Well, this isn't just a triathlon podcast. This is a performance podcast. And so really the way that we see the Purple Patch podcast is it being anchored around helping folks from all walks of life improve their health and performance in both sport and life. And so it comes with a responsibility. It's a responsibility for myself to be as educated as I possibly can on subjects that I'm going to talk about and also almost act as a filter of the best information that I can deliver on any subject. Now, of course, a lot of this is blended with my own experience as being a performance coach at a pretty high level over the last 20 years. And so with this in mind, I feel like this sort of advice is exactly my place. I am in healthcare. I am in performance. And so this isn't anything political. In fact, it's the complete opposite of that. It's through the lens for me to try and help fight folks make the best decision possible for themselves. And so I follow, read, listen, and interact with some absolutely amazing experts in virology, infectious disease, epidemiology. And all of them themselves apolitical. They don't have a side on this. But instead, what I do is try and learn from those folks so that I can help people make the most informed recommendations possible. And so what's the outcome that I seek in this? It's not for people to go and get jabbed for the sake of it. But ultimately, what I'm looking for is for people to make best decisions so that they can be healthy and perform better. And so that's the lens that I took when I decided to say anything about this subject. Super. Now let's tackle the risks. Let's talk about these. There's lots of noise out there or information out there about these vaccines being really risky for people. And let me state, vaccines are not without risk ever. But you know, amazingly, and it is an amazing thing, if we remove the COVID vaccine and just talk about vaccines globally, it's a really amazing thing that over the course of history of where vaccines have really helped eradicate some really amazing and terrible illnesses in the whole history, polios, measles, and so on and so on. It's unbelievable how few side effects or big risks there actually have been. And now we have this vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine, that was produced with by far the broadest international effort of scientists ever, with a massive massive financial clout and support of organizations and governments. And on top of it now, we've given it to many people. So we have a huge pool of learning of recipients so that we can assess any effects. And here is what the data definitively and consistently says. And it's the fact that the risks that are there, such as myocarditis, by one example, 
it is there. There is a risk. But it is infinitely less risky than getting a full-blooded case of the virus and the complications that can stem from that. So if you're worried about myocarditis, it's much better to take an infinitely small risk by taking a vaccine than it is by refusing the vaccine and getting the illness and having a much, much higher, several thousand times higher risk from that. It's the same goes along with blood clotting and so on and so on and so on. Now, these viruses, they're sneaky buggers. They keep mutating. But it's now clear that if you were playing the risk game by numbers in the way that a gambler would in a casino, this isn't a case of red or black. It's a case of having 3,000 tiles of red and one black. Guess what, folks? I'm going red all day long. Okay, finally, the mindset of skipping the vaccine because, hey, it doesn't impact me. I'm healthy. I'm young. I'm an athlete, et cetera, et cetera. It only impacts the older population. Well, this is an area that's going to be really, really hard to argue with because it's all about the grounding, I believe, of the philosophical values of life. You see, the truth is, in honesty, that I didn't choose to get vaccinated just to help myself. There was a part of it. I don't want to have a massive bout of this really tough virus. But instead, I did it more as a participant, a member of society at large. And I will say that this one's quite personal. So I get a little bit warmed here because my mum was vaccinated twice. And in fact, her scheduled booster date was eight days after her death. And she died of COVID as did three other guests in her care home. And how did they get infected? By someone who refused the vaccine because, well, it wouldn't impact their health, but still chose to go and visit that care home. And they wanted to go and visit their relative because they didn't want to have that in inconvenience and therefore put all of those guests at great risk. And so with that story in mind, listen, folks, you're probably not going to win me over with, hey, it doesn't really affect me, so why should you do it? I'm not going to try and argue you into doing it either. Because, look, I think fundamentally, if that is your argument, we just see the world differently. And that's, I guess, okay. And so those are my quick thoughts. But you know what? The good news out of all of this, there's a truth here. The virus is different now. It has evolved. It's a very different beast than 2020. And it does seem like it's much lower risk. And... I do think that we as a society need to move and transition towards management and kind of living with it more. And I'm just glad that over the course of the last year or year and a half, the Global Vaccine Initiative has saved so many lives and prevented so much suffering in the meantime. And so that is my perspective with respect. And I could go on and on. And by the way, toe to toe, I'll take you on point by point. But we don't want to talk about that anymore, do we? This is about looking forward and performance. But I did, for this week's Word of the Week, do want to offer my response to you folks that didn't really like the fact I was talking about vaccines. I'm afraid on this little area, I love you. I want you to listen. I hope you're enjoying it. But we're just not going to agree on it. Okay, that's it. Word of the Week, vaccines. Part two. Barry, that means number two, by the way. Okay, guys, let's do it. It is time for the meat and potatoes.
Yes, folks, we're talking about training camps this week, and I want to start with a story. Oh, Teddy. All right, let's talk about Teddy. Teddy is a triathlete. He's getting ready for his Ironman, and he is training, and he's building consistency, and fitness starts to come. And he decides to head off for a training camp, in parentheses, with his buddies. Where's he going to go? How about Tucson, Arizona? All the pros go to Tucson, I hear. This is going to be the thing that makes my season, thinks Teddy. And so off he goes, three of them. Ladies and gentlemen, there is plenty of testosterone flowing. Swim, bike, run. Swim, bike, run. Swim, bike, run. Emerging from typically 12-hour training weeks, the guys hammer it out more than double that training hours in just a five-day adventure. It was big, and it was tough, and they were exhausted, and they came home, but they felt accomplished and definitely really tired. It was a challenge, and one that he managed to navigate the big challenge of mind and body, and he returns, does Teddy, a couple of days rests, and off he goes, back into the flow. Now, mentally, he was going to lean into that week. It was a huge confidence builder. If I can do that, I can do anything, certainly an Ironman. But from then on, for the next six or seven weeks, all the way into his Ironman, he kind of never found the flow again. No training rhythm. His performance predictability up, down, up, down, muscle soreness after workouts. It just felt like it took a long time for Telly to bounce back. And so over the coming almost two months, things were kind of rocky. And guess what? Race day, a disappointment. So what happened? Well, the truth is over the course of that camp that Teddy kind of did things wrong. You see, he went from a 4 out of 10 in total capacity to an 11 out of 10. It was a huge hit. And over the course of that time, he didn't do near enough around fueling and hydration. He didn't support it. But on top of that, he certainly didn't respect the massive workload with enough recovery following. Now, most importantly, what Teddy did is completely misunderstand what it actually takes to successfully get ready for a really long endurance event, like a marathon, an Ironman, an ultramarathon, whatever it might be, because it's never about a single workout. It's never about a single week. The way to think about it is a tidal wave, steep and tall, a big hit. And that's what the training camp was. Vroom. But instead, what it really takes is a slowly building tsunami, almost imperceptible, that builds and builds incrementally over many, many months or more. And so what happened is that his confidence building week ended up leading to a deeper fatigue than he anticipated. And he never really bounced back from it. And so that big dose of work was something that his body paid for, including his tissue. So high confidence eroded to just frustration. Now this, the Teddy approach, as we might call it, is a common approach to how folks take on training camps. And so why don't we shift our lens a little bit? So a nice way to start is to differentiate a little bit between the way that I think of a training camp versus a training escape. A training escape is more like Teddy did, where he removed himself from life, no work commitments, very limited family commitments, went away with some buddies, 
and put in a big block of work. And that can be really wholesome, really fun. The key when you go and do something like that is you don't want to absolutely become heroic. Instead, what it is, is we remove some of the typical stresses, the logistical, the work, the mental stress, maybe the time management side of things and have more capacity to, yes, do some more training. You definitely want a bigger week, but also integrate with some really, really healthy focus around good quality nutrition, lots of good sleep and recovery and downtime so that you can come back with a really high quality training week that is going to be a bigger training week, but also equally relatively fresh. And that's kind of a training escape. What we're going to talk about today, though, is where you really can yield a big performance boost, and that's a training camp. So let's break down the value of you going away on a training camp. Now, for the sake of this discussion, I think a training camp is usually coach-led by an organization or a coach or a small group of coaches in which they are curating an experience for you where you can go as a participant looking to draw from their expertise in a guided and coached environment. And there are five main tenants that you want to think about. What you're looking to get out of a camp. And this is where it becomes really, really important. The first is education. So by going to a training camp, you actually want to uh, get smarter. Okay, that's number one. Number two, you want to upskill. That's quite a technical element to it. You actually want to improve your skills, your form, your technique, whatever it might be, your terrain management. Number three, you want to integrate a good opportunity to maybe do some testing. That could be around your fueling, your equipment, your hydration that you're going to utilize, typically in an environment where you can go and do some high-quality sessions. Number four, you want to go and do some really, really good training, of course, high quality training, because there is that component. That's no different than what we're thinking about when it comes to a training escape. So yes, there is that. And then finally, number five is a really good source where you get some soulful connection with others, a nice high degree of accountability. Now, I might add a bonus here. Amongst all of that, to be really successful you want to have a little bit of recovery. I'm the recovery coach. And so we want to have some mental rejuvenation and even some physical duration, despite the higher training load. So five plus a bonus components. Let's talk about each of them. Let's talk about education first. When you participate in a training camp, you really want to choose carefully to try and have a coach or a leader from which you can learn from. Because the truth is that the few days or a week that you go away from a training camp should be an experience where for your needs as an athlete, you can go and participate and learn about some of the why behind the training. And this can come around all elements of your sport. And so if you're a triathlete, you can learn about swimming and swimming methodology and training. You can learn about cycling and cycling methodology and training, running, as well as, of course, strength, core and mobility work. And so you actually want to understand philosophically some of the training building blocks component. 
Now, down from there, there are other supporting elements that you might think about. Nutrition, time management, season planning, whatever it might be. But your key, your focus, your mission when it is to go away from a training camp is to arrive like a sponge, therefore be dedicated to be present, not just during the training sessions, but also between the training sessions that so that you can ask questions and learn that when you leave, you have in each discipline that you've covered off, swim, bike, run, strength, nutrition, recovery, whatever it might be that's appropriate for you that you can learn, that you can take away and implement one, two, or three things per component. So if I learn one thing in swimming, a couple of things in biking, one in running, some around nutrition, and then you are equipped to integrate some of those lessons into your regular training life when you're at home. And that is where it becomes really, really powerful and important. And I think this is the biggest miss that occurs. People get very myopic. What can I do from beating myself into smithereens over the course of this week, hoping that some physiological magic is going to occur, when instead you should really be thinking, how do I get smarter about my own training and the disciplines and components of it so that when I go home, I can start to build those as habits and approaches and strategies into the coming months. And suddenly now this week, this training camp becomes really powerful because it informs how you are tackling all of the weeks that flow afterwards. And that is really important. So that is why education sits at the front of any high-value training camp. The second component is all around movement, and we'll label that upskilling. What I mean by that is how you do things. Now, the easy one is, well, can you look at my swim stroke so that we can break down A, B, and C technical components of it? And that's important. If you were a triathlete, how you're swimming, how you're sitting and riding and interacting with your bicycle, how you're running with your posture, your form, your foot speed, whatever it might be. And that's good. But on top of it, I think it's deeper than that. I want you to really go in and think, how do I become athletically smarter? How do I actually execute the training as intended? One of the biggest challenges for coaches coaching athletes is to get them to make smart decisions and actually get them to adhere to executing the training as they intended. How do you manage heat stress? How do you manage fatigue? How do you successfully integrate walk breaks into training so that you're getting all of the muscular endurance but without too much physiological cost? How do you actually navigate when it's windy on the bicycle? or you're rolling through rolling terrain and you're running through there, how do you actually manage the ups and the downs? There is a world, no matter what your sport is, a world of opportunity to upskill. And so it's the physical manifestation of executing and managing training really, really well. Now, when you combine these, it's exactly the same spirit as the education we talked about. Go and execute the training in front of coaches and with some of your peers, 
which also can provide not just accountability, but also some peer-to-peer education and support as well, so that when you return home, you can implement those actions, those skills into better habits, and you can become better as an athlete at executing the workouts and understanding that. And that's where it becomes really powerful. And so now we have two big components, education, so becoming smarter, upskilling, technically more savvy with execution and how you're actually doing your sport, whatever your sport might be. Super. What about the third component, testing? Well, this is a really broad range, but what really works for you? It's very challenging for most time-starved athletes to implement so much of what coaches want them to implement because they haven't got much time. They're getting up in the morning at five o'clock in the morning, squeezing a 60-minute bike trainer session and heading off to work. How much mental capacity and willpower do you really have to implement smart hydration, smart fueling, understanding what works for you? Even at the weekends, typically, I'm going to sneak out my bike ride, but I've got to be back by 10 because Johnny's got a soccer game. So I'm going to drive in, go and hit the soccer game, and you get the picture. A training camp is a wonderful opportunity where we remove some of the other stresses of life, and you can actually apply focus and a little bit of learning of what works for you. What's right in your position? What are the best shoes? Maybe you're running in a couple of pairs of shoes. Ha, huh, this pair's good, but I go and stop halfway and I flip out the shoes. Oh, okay, those shoes actually feel a little bit better. They leave me a little less sore. Great, that's really good. How about fueling, hydration, heat management, all of the components that are really useful that in a training camp environment, there is no better situation or opportunity for you to actually go and test things. And it doesn't mean it has to be successful. In fact, so much of a successful training camp is about eliminating things that either cause mental noise or simply don't work for you. And then you are on a better path over the course of the coming weeks that you can go and test and test again in your regular training, but with a little bit of a framework. And that provides focus. And that ultimately provides confidence. And so when we think about Teddy's story, going away with just the battering ram approach, he was seeking confidence. But in this approach, where you have become smarter about yourself and how you are trying to train, you have upskilled, if you want to say this technically, and you start to gain an appreciation of what works and doesn't work for you. And then you go home and implement. That is what the swelling of confidence comes from. Because then over the course of the next 6, 8, 10, 12, 24 weeks, you have the opportunity to build performance predictability and a deeper understanding of what works for you. Great. All of that before we've even talked about training. So should you hammer yourself on a training camp? Depends. Depends on what time of the year it is and where you are in your season. And so right now, training camps early in the year, particularly for athletes that have not got a looming race coming up, probably shouldn't be overly stressful. But there still should be some challenge. You still can and should do more training load than you would at home. Because it's an opportunity 
we have removed some of life stress, life logistics, both cognitive and physiological, and we've got a greater capacity to make sure that we can recover, sleep, have downtime, etc. And so, yes, you can train more. You can do some big sessions. In fact, as I record right now, sitting at the Purple Patch Hawaii Ironman training camp, tomorrow we are sending the folks on a long journey. And it's tough. And most are not really equipped right now at this time of the year to thrive and excel. But, but it's appropriate as an adventure to go and do it because today they have time to rest and sit by the pool in this afternoon and get a really good night's sleep and make sure that they're going in with really good resources. And so there's nothing wrong with challenging athletes, with you challenging yourself in a training camp environment. But you want to ensure that it's not defined as the thing that is going to move your performance needle. Because we must remember that any training week as a standalone, any session or any week is not the thing that is going to convert your season or your performance. And so, yeah, hit it hard, then recover and make sure you fully recover before integrating back to training. But come up a level and realize it is just one week with the more important opportunities around education, upskilling and testing, and then just a better training week globally. So now we're four in. Great. Really good. Let's think about the fifth undervalued, often not appreciated component. But in fact, this component is really, really heightened with the last couple of years that we've dealt with. Yes, the pandemic. We come back to that thing. Social connection, accountability. The training camp environment is rich for you to actually learn from others, be inspired by others, interact with others that are like-minded, performance-driven, united, not by necessarily the level of performance, but a simple desire to improve. And so in a training camp environment, you are going to go through shared fatigue, shared lessons, select questions that you want to get answers from, from the experts. But you shouldn't underappreciate the dinners, the time that you just sit there and talk. And I don't mean talk about well, how many carbohydrates do you eat? And goodness me, what a wonderful gear ratio. Talk about life. Share your experience. Be human beings with each other because we are social beings. And it can be incredibly fulfilling to learn from other stories, to understand some of the challenges and adversity that maybe they have navigated to actually be inspired by some of the successes. And that creates a bonding, a connection, and it creates motivation. When you go through a really professionally produced training camp environment, that you are all one participant within a group environment, engaged, gaining education, upskilling, understanding what right works for you and what doesn't work for others, but also making it a shared experience, being a part of something, something happens, becomes really powerful and similar to last year, really fun, really, really fun. And that's great because there's nothing better than challenging yourself, but also returning home with amplified motivation and inspiration from others. Let's go and do this. 
And the best part of leading a training camp like I'm leading right now is at the end when people say, I'll see you next year. I'll be back. And yeah, that happens. I sit here in Hawaii right now and we have the same participants. We're all getting older together. Seven years in, eight years in, nine years in, 10 years in. One gentleman, 12 years into our training camps every single year. Why? Because it's really important, not just physiologically. None of these athletes' years or seasons are made because of this camp, but because it's a chance to be grounded, to learn, to upskill, to become smarter, and to go through a shared experience to kick off the year. It's wonderful. Now, the last thing I'll say is that bonus point I talked about. A training camp isn't just a battering ram. It is also a great chance to disconnect. And so don't underappreciate the value of greater sleep, improve recovery, downtime. Yes, pool time is encouraged here. A deep mental rejuvenation, even if it's physically demanding. And so... If you do choose to participate in a training camp and you're looking to judge success or well, success on your return of a training camp should be one where you get back home, feet on ground, and you're invigorated, not depleted. You're excited. And after probably 48 hours, maybe up to 72 hours of deep recovery, you are ready to return to absolutely normal training but also with a toolkit of lessons and habits that you can then go and integrate. You should be absolutely healthy from a tissue standpoint. In other words, it is not an environment that you should be stressed so much that you come home with a niggle. And the most important component is you should have an action plan. What are you going to go and implement? Now, this isn't a Bible, but as I talked about, and let's use the triathlete example. Maybe you have one or two things that you're going to implement in your swim, in your bike, in your run, and then under some of the habits, your sleep, your nutrition, or anything else that's going to help you perform. And the most important success is are you committed to having that action plan and then actually integrating it to develop new habits into your daily training life. And that's it. That's the story. It's pretty simple. Camps aren't the magic. The magic comes from the successful applications of the lessons of a camp into really normal life. And that is the magic. Educate and then execute, then come home and implement. That is your pathway to camp success. A fun one today. I hope you enjoyed it, guys. We've got some terrific guests coming up over the coming weeks. But until then, well, stay safe, take care, and have a great week. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. And if you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if we share with your friends. 
and really go the extra mile. Head over to Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform to follow, rate, and review the show. Your support and reviews go a long way to increasing our visibility and, of course, the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive, just like me and you. Don't forget, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Links to the episode resources and all of our programs can be found at purplepatchfitness.com. Thanks much for listening. Take care.